0: Timothy chapter number two will be our text this morning. 2 Timothy chapter number two on this Mother's Day Sunday. I tell you, I miss having all our moms in the room. It's uh, I miss that. I know if your mother is still living and maybe she doesn't live with you, I would encourage you right now to message her a happy Mother's Day and invite her to join us as we worship jump on our live stream to join your facebook live watch party whatever it is let's get the word out we're about to get into the word in second timothy chapter number two as we continue in our second timothy series our new normal the normal we already knew and today i want to speak to you on the subject enduring the mother of all pandemics Enduring the mother of all pandemics. Now it's known as the mother of all pandemics. It was a global pandemic uh, caused by a virus. Uh, The number of infected people grew daily. Uh, Officials recommended frequent hand washing, they recommended quarantining of the sick. Many cities shut down public gatherings, public worship services. When it was all over with, 50 million people were killed by this pandemic including 675,000 Americans. And no, we're not describing some future report of the COVID-19 pandemic of 2019-2020. What we're describing here is the Spanish flu pandemic of 1918. In fact, I have a photograph I want to show you from a college football game at Georgia Tech in 1918 during this Spanish flu pandemic. You can see this photograph here and if you can make that out, many of these folks are wearing masks a hundred and two years ago wearing masks. They're also wearing suits. so I, I don't know if we have football this year and you're able to go to a game I don't know if they'll have stand, fans in the stands or not, but if so, would you go if you were required to wear a mask? Probably. would you go if you're required to wear a suit? Probably not, right? <laughs> It's not going to happen. So how did they endure this pandemic 102 years ago? Much the same way churches are enduring today. Many churches held outdoor services 102 years ago. Many of them used the technology available to them in that day. And they published sermons in newspapers for families to read at home while worshiping. And I have no doubt that pastors and... And churches were over the moon excited about having that technology available to them. I know they were pumped to know that, hey, I can publish a sermon and the church in their homes can read them while they worship at home. I know they were excited about that. We get to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and Paul is using the technology of his day. Letter writing to encourage Timothy, to encourage you, to encourage me "...to endure through the mother of all pandemics." So what is this mother of all pandemics? Well, let's see. Let's find out together. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to read verse 1 through verse 13. And if you don't have a copy of the Word of God, it's right here on our screen. So follow along as I read from 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning with verse number 1. "...you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus." And what you have heard from me, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuit since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we died with Him, we will also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are so grateful that you never tire of forgiving us those who are tired of sinning. It's good to know, God, that you never tire, although we are tired of Being tired, yet you never tire. You are faithful to the very end. God, help us today to aim to please you like a good soldier, like a disciplined athlete, like a hardworking farmer. Help us press on and endure to the end. God, would you be pleased with our response to your word today? May our faith grow as as faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Oh God, would you move in our midst today and let us respond in a way that honors you in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. The mother of all pandemics, what is that? Well, ultimately, the, the mother of all pandemics is sin. I mean, if you think about it, from one man, Adam, came sin that infected the whole world. And so Timothy is specifically referring to here suffering. Share in suffering like a good soldier. This is why I suffer as I do, Paul said. Endure the suffering. That's why I endure everything, Paul says. All the suffering. So suffering is the result ultimately of the mother of all pandemics, which is Sin. And here Paul helps us understand that suffering is the way of God's plan. As one pastor said it like this, suffering is not in the way of God's plan. And I would add this, suffering is the way of God's plan. You and I both know that when we get to Isaiah 53, this suffering servant passage, that we understand that suffering servant to be Messiah Jesus. We understand it to be our Lord Jesus Christ who bore our griefs. He who who carried our sorrows, he who uh, was stricken and smitten by God. Yet we esteemed him not, and he was afflicted, and we esteemed him not. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, for the chastisement that brought us peace was laid upon him. And yet, with his stripes, we are healed. And all of us went away like sheep gone astray. But he, although he was led to the, to, to, to the slaughter like a lamb, although he was silent among his, his accusers like, a, like a, a sheep is silent among its shears, and, and the Bible says he opened not his mouth on the cross. We don't quite grasp the gravity of that statement. Do you realize when you go to Revelation chapter 19 and you begin to read how our Lord's going to come back, the Bible says when He opened His mouth, out came a sharp two-edged sword with which to strike down the nations. That's the same Lord who died on the cross, who praised God, did not open His mouth so that we might not be struck down, but He was struck down in our place and instead of us. So suffering has always been the way of God's plan. We read in 2 Timothy three, verse number twelve, that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. James has counted all joy, my brothers, when you face various trials of various kinds. Peter said, "Don't buy the lie. Your suffering is not unique and singled out to you. That there, this suffering is experienced by the brotherhood all over the world. So please understand the consistent message of Scripture: is suffering is the way of God's plan. And what Paul does. For Timothy, and for us, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is he encourages us to endure in the midst of the suffering, and then he shows us how we're equipped to do so. As a follower of Christ, you are equipped to endure till the end. And so that's our big idea. Our takeaway today is simply this, endure till the end. Endure to the end. And so what I want to do in our next few minutes together is I want to point out four principles that equip us to endure to the end. Number one, Jesus is enough for us. Jesus is enough. You've heard that a million times. How do we know it's true? We find this truth in verse number one in 2 Timothy chapter 2. That Jesus is always enough for us. In the beginning, he's enough. In the middle, he's enough. In the end, he's enough. It's all the time, anywhere, any place, any time, Jesus is always enough for us. Paul says it like this to Timothy, You then, my child. Now notice, this is a direct application to Timothy. In chapter 1, Paul has already spoken of himself. Paul used himself as an example. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I was appointed apostle, preacher, teacher, and this is why I suffer as I do, yet I'm not ashamed of the gospel. So Paul used himself saying, Timothy, I'm not asking you to do what I'm not willing to do. So he says, follow me, imitate me, follow this pattern, he says in chapter 1. And then Paul in chapter 1 gives two other folks... Uh, points to them and says, Timothy, this is not how you're to respond. This is not how you are to carry yourself as a follower of Christ. And this was uh, two guys by the name of Phagellus and Hermogenes. I call them Phil and Herm. That's easy to say. Phil and Herm. And he says, don't follow Phil and Herm, for they were ashamed of the gospel. They, like many in Asia, uh, they have turned away from me. Among them are Phil and Herm. So Paul says, listen, Timothy, this is an example of what you're to do. This is an example of what you're not to do. Now for you, you then my child, you then my child. That is a direct application. I want you to hear this truth today. The Word of God is always good for us. Amen? Always good for us. Always. But even more than that, the Word of God always has a good word for us. So you can put your name where the U is. Sam then. Brad then, Josh then, Emily then, Melissa then, put your name where the U is, you then, my child. Now, why is Paul referring to Timothy as a child? Is he young enough to sign up for vacation Bible school? No. Is he Paul's biological son? No. Why is he calling him my child? He's calling him my child because he's his spiritual dad. This is his spiritual son in the faith. They had a mentor-mentee relationship. A disciple discipler relationship. That's what they had. Paul poured into Timothy. He invested in Timothy. He discipled Timothy. And he tells him, and look what he tells him. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Do you see that? Be strengthened by the grace... That is in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say, be saved by the grace. Now, Timothy, at this point, has already been saved. He is in Christ already. But he says, okay, Timothy, now that you're saved by Christ, now you need to grow in grace. Grow up in grace. This idea of being strengthened means to be stronger and stronger. The idea is to grow into God causing you to do something. Like we do what we do not based on us as believers. We do what we do based on the grace of God in us that is working to enable us to do what God has called us to do. It's all by grace. We're saved by grace. And then we serve by grace. It's always by this unmerited, unearned, undeserved, favor, grace, mercy, steadfast love. Always by grace. Saved by grace, served by grace. We grow up in grace. In other words, we never graduate from grace. I'm so excited, I'm so proud of our seniors who have graduated in 2020 and Yet I know it's different, and I know it's disappointing, and I know it's not the same for these graduates, but I'm proud of them. I'm thankful for them. And I know at some point in some time, we'll be able to recognize these graduates as not only a church, but hopefully a community. I've already seen some of that on social media. And so, yes, we're proud of them. They have graduated, and they're heading to the next season of their life. Well, listen, as followers of Jesus, we never... Ever graduate from grace. You can't outgrow grace. You can't grow beyond grace. You never become a guru of grace. You can never get over God's grace. On your best day, you are not beyond the need of God's grace. And on your worst day, you are never beyond the reach of God's grace. Paul points Timothy straight and directly To the Lord's grace. Listen, I know as believers we have a pretty good understanding of past grace. That God's grace is what has forgiven us and we are saved by grace. We we grasp that pretty well as believers. We understand that in the future grace, that because of God's grace in the future we'll be able to abide with Him in eternity forever. We get that. What we struggle with is the present grace. In between past and future, like right now, we think, okay, I got to rub some dirt on it and pull up my bootstraps and, and, and get after it. And, and yes, we are saved by grace for works, yes, but we never graduate from God's grace. It's by grace we've been saved. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you, but where sin increased, grace abounds, that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, that we're called by grace, that we are receive mercy and find grace, that we grow in grace. So here's what i want to challenge you to do, to think about Jesus being enough. Jesus is enough. So let's stop talking. Let's stop focusing on, let's stop talking about what we've done, what we haven't done, what we should have done, what we could have done, what we would have done, what we plan to do, what we ought to do, what we hope to do, what we are about to do, and let's start talking about what Jesus has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. The gospel is not do this, do that, do this, that, or the other. The gospel is simply stated, done, done, done. The gospel doesn't say I must do, the gospel says it is done. So think about that. The fact that Jesus lived a life that we could have never lived perfect in every way. None of us could have lived that kind of life. The fact that Jesus died a death that all of us should have died The fact that he was buried and and three days later raised from the dead bringing life and immortality because of this gospel because of this truth this is good news. The fact that Jesus did all of this means that victims of abuse and abandonment when you feel unloved Jesus says I love you. To students who feel overlooked Jesus is looking over you. To men who who look at your life and, and think, man, I am less than. Jesus says he is your more than. For moms who feel insignificant, Jesus says you are significant. For, for single moms who, who feel like you've been, you're unworthy. The Lord Jesus looks at you and he died for you and he's saying to you, you are worth it. Jesus looks at families, at husbands, at moms, at dads, at wives, as children. And he looks at us. And when we feel forgotten, like moms who may, can, may never have children, and you feel forgotten, you need to know that Jesus remembers you. Folks, none of us are enough, we'll never be enough, but we never have to be enough because Jesus is our enough. He is enough. And Paul begins with Timothy in this way. Timothy, you've got to grow up in the grace of Jesus. That's where you must start. It begins with him and it ends with him. And it's all about him all through the middle. Jesus is enough for us. What I want to ask you is simply this. Does Jesus know your name? You know, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only those... Not not those who say, Lord, did we not do this? Did we not do that? Did we not do this in your name? He said, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, but they'll not all enter the kingdom of heaven, only those who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So the question I have for you, does he know your name? See, if Jesus knows your name and nobody else knows your name, that is enough. And if everybody knows your name and Jesus doesn't know your name, that'll never be enough. So let me encourage you to embrace this grace That only God offers right now. And he says that for everyone who believes in him, they shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. So right now, I know you're weary. I know you're heavy laden. I know you're tired. I know you're tired of being tired. So if you've never put your faith in Christ, now's the time to do that. Jesus never tires from forgiving those who are tired of sinning. He never does. So I want you to take time right now and put your faith in Christ alone, by grace alone, and do it now. You can simply do that by whispering a prayer to God. The Bible says if you believe in your heart that all this about the gospel that God was raised, raised Jesus from the dead and you confess with your mouth that He is Lord, you'll be saved today. I'm talking about a grace and a peace and, and, and a joy that you've never experienced and you'll never experience outside of Christ. Won't you put your faith in Him now. If you need help on how to do that text us 423-440-8555 the name Jesus we want to talk to you right now we're ready to talk to you right now so text now make that call right now number 2 second principle if we're going to endure to the end here's what we must understand Jesus is to be entrusted to others by us verse 2 is a powerful verse it clearly had an impact on Timothy and the early church. And it basically is saying that Jesus is to be entrusted to others by us. First of all, I want you to see how Paul says this to him. What you've heard from me. Now, what did Timothy hear from Paul? Have you ever heard that faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ? That is what Timothy heard from Paul. Now, he first heard it, mom's. He first heard it, dad's. He first heard it, parent's. He first heard it, grandparents. He first heard it, guardians, in the home. That's what Paul tells him in chapter 1. He says, I know that you first heard this faith, this sincere faith, from your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Parents, guardians, grandparents. Listen, we've got a job to do to take this good gospel and pass it on to the next generation. And not only did Paul, Timothy hear it in the home, he heard it from Paul. Paul says, uh, take what you've heard from me. What you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and entrusted to faithful men. So, first of all, what Timothy heard from Paul is what was entrusted to Paul. Like, we know that from chapter 1, that this gospel was entrusted to Paul. The gospel didn't start with Paul. Paul was not the originator of the gospel. Paul wasn't, is not a, the founder of our faith. It didn't start with him. Jesus entrusted the gospel to Paul. And then Paul took that gospel... And proclaimed it. And so this gospel, uh, this truth, can be trusted. Not only was it entrusted to Paul from the Lord Jesus. And by the way, the gospel didn't start with Paul. But it also didn't stop with Paul. Right? It kept going. He passed it on. And so he says, as he passes it on, he says, listen, you can trust the truth. That's what he says. There's many witnesses. You can fact check me, Timothy. I've done this publicly for years, and you know this truth, and you know it can be trusted. The truth can be trusted. Please hear me. Men, women, boys, and girls, you can trust the truth. There's a lot you can't trust, but you can trust the truth. And the Bible says check it against the truth to ensure you can trust it. And so this truth that was entrusted to Paul, that we can trust, was then entrusted to Timothy in order to be entrusted to other people. And so notice how he says it. Give this word, set before this gospel, entrust this gospel to others to put in front of. Kind of like putting food on a table in front of somebody. Put this gospel, put the word of God, put the truth in front of somebody to be devoured by them, Hand it off. Pass it on, like pass the potatoes, pass the gospel. Don't let it stop. See, here's what's so amazing about this gospel. Do you realize this little letter, 2 Timothy, was written in a hole in a Roman prison? And we have it before us today. How did it get from a hole in a Roman prison to us in 2020? Some 2,000 years later. How did that happen? 2 Timothy two. 2 that's how it happened. The disciples in Paul's day, the disciples in Timothy's day, the disciples throughout the church age have never let the gospel die with them. They pass it on. And we too are to take this good news and entrust it to others so they can teach others. And so the gospel is not bound. It will not stop. It will continue as we pass it on. Here's where I'm concerned as your pastor. I'm not concerned about what's happening in the world. The Bible tells us we're going to face trouble of various kinds and tribulation. And there's much trouble. But Jesus says, I've overcome all this and we just sang about a moment ago. I'm not concerned about what's happening in the world. I'm more concerned about what's happening in the church. What are we talking about? Why is it that some who profess Christ that I've personally talked to and seen... Act no different right now in this crisis than people without Christ. Where's our hope? Don't you trust this truth? Don't you stand on this gospel? Don't you understand that we mourn and grieve not like the world? We have hope. We have a future. We have a promise. We have a faithful servant who loves us and has served us in every way and enrolls us and enlists us and equips us to endure to the end. So what, what are we talking about? I agree with one of my pastor friends who said it like this. Man, I'm convinced that if a fraction of Christ followers who are right now in the church sharing conspiracy theories, if, if a fraction of them would share the gospel, the Great Commission would be fulfilled before we could put on a mask or a pair of gloves. Well, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about all the conspiracy theories. We're, we're, we're in a panic. And, and in the church, man, our message is not... COVID-19, our message is Christ and Him crucified. Our message is not, oh, how bad this crisis is. Our message is, oh, how good our Christ is. Man, let's be bold witnesses. Let's entrust to others what God has taught to us. Here's, Here's a couple of conversations you need to be having daily. Here's one of them. Anybody that God gives you an opportunity to talk to, you need to share Christ with them. You need to point them to Jesus. You need to give them a reason for the hope that is within you. As George Whitfield said, Hey, God forbid that I should travel with anybody a quarter of an hour without speaking of Christ to them. Try to find out where they are with Christ and then point them to Jesus in your conversation. Secondly, we need to be crying out as we read in Revelation. Now, is it concerning what's happening in the world? Absolutely, it's concerning. Yes. When we look around and we see all the violence, all the injustice, all the racism and the hatred, when we look around and see all the cancer and the abuse and the loss and the death and the viruses and the natural disasters and our, our, our cry needs to be from Revelation 22 20, come Lord Jesus, come. Man, that needs to be our cry as the church. When we talk to people, we say, hey, you need to come to Jesus. And when we talk to Jesus, say, oh, Lord, please come, Lord Jesus, come. Why? Because this gospel has been entrusted to us not to stay with us, not to stop with us, but to go to someone else. So entrust it and pass it on. Why? Because Jesus is to be entrusted to others by us. Number three, Jesus has enlisted us. Now what Paul does in verse 3 through 7, as we understand that Jesus has enlisted us in his army, and he is the one we're to aim to please, we see three different images here in verse 3 through 7. The first image is a soldier. And no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. says the word of God. They, They don't get distracted by things that don't matter. Hello? They don't get distracted by trivial matters. They have a focus and an aim and an awareness. A soldier is aware there's a war going on. And the soldier's aware of that. Are you aware? We're in a war, believer. We are in a war. And we have an enemy that prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Let's not get caught up, distracted by these trivial matters that just don't matter. Let's be a good soldier of Christ. Let's press on. And then Paul gives another image, an image of an athlete, that an athlete takes no shortcuts. An athlete that's going to win is going to train. There's no magic pill an athlete takes. Uh, and Paul might say here, if he was in our day, they can't use an performance enhancement drugs to play by the rules. They can't do that to win. They're training. There's no shortcuts. Think about it like this. Everybody wants to be like Mike, right? Like Michael Jordan. Everybody wants to be like Mike. Nobody wants to train like Mike, right? Everybody loves to watch athletes. Fewer people like to watch them train. Even fewer people attempt their training, right? Right? And so Paul says, as an athlete who is competing to win according to the rules, endure in everything. Press on. Be disciplined as a follower of Christ. Notice this dedicated soldier, this disciplined athlete. There's no laziness at all. The third image is that of a hardworking farmer. Think about a farmer. A farmer never clocks in. A farmer never clocks out. That's not even in, in, in a farmer's wheelhouse. That's not even in his or her wheelhouse that they were to clock in or clock out. When a farmer bails a bell of hay, there's no press conference, right? There's no parade like when a soldier comes home that, that, a, that, that, that a farmer has when he bails some hay. It's not glamorous being a farmer. It's not glorious it's hard it's work and Paul says like a hard-working farmer just like that you press on you endure and he says the farmer's going to see the first fruits why is that because as a believer when you pour into somebody you're going to see the fruits of that you're going to see the first fruits that nobody else is seeing because you're pouring into that person and you're seeing them be discipled and you're seeing them grow up in the Lord and you're getting to witness that what a blessing that is Paul says, listen, you've been enlisted like a soldier, like an athlete, like a farmer to press on in the midst of suffering. In other words, Paul's saying, in the grace of Christ. Now, you've got to be in the grace of Christ, okay? But by his grace, stay in the game, Paul says. Stay on the battlefield. Stay on the farm. Press on, endure, don't quit. Don't stop. January twenty-fifth, 1995, the British merchant ship was sailing the waters of the Indian Ocean. And all of a sudden, there was this cloudy, milky haze that came up all around them in the sea. And they were just stunned by this. They'd never seen anything like this before. And it stayed there, and it stayed, and it just kept growing and growing and growing. So some marine biologists looked at it through a, a satellite 600 miles into orbit and discovered that this white, milky, glossy haze were microscopic bacteria eating algae. Now, with the naked eye, you can't even see one of these microscopic bacteria, but when they congregate together, when they come together, their light shines six hundred miles into orbit church we are connected spiritually through the holy spirit and if we will by the grace of jesus press on and endure to the end do you understand that the light of the gospel will shine to the ends of the earth do you know that hey let's press on let's endure to the end why because jesus is enough because Jesus is to be entrusted to others by us. Because Jesus has enlisted us. And finally, number four, Jesus endured on behalf of us. I want to show you something in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number two. So if we could put verse number two up here. 2 Timothy 2, verse two. I'm going to ask Brad Gray, would you come up here, please, sir? I need some help. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number two. But I want you to confirm something. If you go on the other side of this screen, that'd be great. I want you to confirm something for me in verse number two so I understand what this, how this reads, okay? Because I believe we read it in a way that it shouldn't be read oftentimes. So verse number two, and what you have heard. Could you just read that first line? And what you have heard from me. All right, I don't know if y'all can hear him, but he said, and what you have heard from who? Me. Who? Me. Does that say media? It does not. Does that say media? Just, does it say just, social media? Absolutely. Who does it say? Praise God, no, it does not yeah. say that. It <laughs> says me. Me, Paul. Thank you, Brad. Absolutely. Thank you for your help. Okay, so here's what we're to do. We're not to take what we hear from social media and entrust it to other people. We're not to take what we hear from the media and entrust it to other people. We're to take this gospel that Timothy heard from Paul and entrust it to other people. So what is that message? Here's that message. Number four, Jesus endured on behalf of us. The world needs to hear that. Your neighbor needs to hear that. Your mom needs to hear that. Your children need to hear that. Your grandchildren need to hear that. Your family needs to hear that. Your friends need to hear that Jesus has endured on their behalf. And here's how Paul paints the picture in verse 8 to verse 13. Check this out. How could he be any clearer in verse 8? Remember Jesus Christ. Man, we can forget everything and anything, but help us, Lord Jesus, to remember Jesus. Remember Jesus Christ. You know, my grandmother, right before she died, she had Alzheimer's terribly. She was in a nursing home. She could not talk. She could not say one word. She didn't know anybody. She didn't know anything. But the one thing she could do, and each time, the last time I saw her, she could sing Amazing Grace. She she couldn't speak, but she could see. And she sang Amazing Grace. She remembered this grace that Paul speaks of. This grace that we have in Christ Jesus. Remember Jesus Christ. Well, what are we to remember about him? Well, Paul tells us he's risen from the dead. I hope that one day we'll get excited when we come to the realization that we will read one day the obituary of death itself. Death is dead. Done. He is risen from the dead. The offspring of David which ties him uh, to the Messiah spoken of in the Old Testament. It ties him to the sermon that will be preached at Pentecost, or that was preached at Pentecost, when Peter made the indication that this one uh, whom David said, who called Lord, is the Lord Jesus. Okay, so we see the offspring of David as preached in my gospel. So this is the message Paul is preaching that everybody needs to hear. That Jesus has died in your place, so you don't have to. And you can have life eternal, for which I'm suffering. So again, Paul is suffering because uh, for the sake of Christ. He is bound with chains as a criminal, but the Word of God is not bound. That's, that's You say, well, is the Bible true? I believe it is true. Because if the, if the Word of God, if the Bible was bound, if the Word of God was bound, we would not have this letter today. Because this is the Word of God. And, and in a prison, in chains, Paul wrote down, the Word of God is not bound. And today we have it. So that's proof that the Word is not bound. Therefore, Paul says, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they all may obtain salvation. And notice the end of this, this section of Scripture. It's very interesting what Paul does. He says, listen, if we've died with him, if you've recognized that you're a sinner and you put your faith in his death, burial, and resurrection, here's what he says, if you die with him, we'll also live. Why? Because Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever dies will live. (laughs) And whoever lives, although they die, they'll never die. They'll, They'll live because they believe in me. I'm the resurrection and the life. And so, if you die with him, you'll live with him. He's still living, by the way. <laughs> he died once, never to die again. Also, he says, if we endure, we'll reign with him. So, not only if we endure to the end, we're going to reign with him in glory. And then if we deny him, he'll deny us. And Jesus said that. He said, if you're ashamed of me and my words, then I'll be ashamed of you when I come into the, the, the my glory, the Father's glory. He says, look, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Endure. Don't deny him, else he'll deny you. And look, look at verse 13. If we're faithless, he remains faithful. Now that seems a little... What's he talking about? Here's what he's talking about. Even if we're faithless, the Lord is faithful. And he's faithful to his promises of blessing, but he's also faithful to his warnings, to his judgment, to his holiness, to being just. He's not only faithful in his grace and mercy, he's faithful in his holiness and... And judgment, okay? He's faithful in both. In other words, God doesn't have to count to three. One, two, three. God doesn't have to say it one more time. He is faithful irregardless. He cannot deny himself. I want to point to two people in the New Testament that that we have an insight into how they struggled with suffering. How they struggled with being distracted. Number one is Peter. Peter denied the Lord three times and he was discouraged, disappointed. He was just bummed out. And then, so Jesus cooked uh, on the beach. He made a charcoal fire and invited the disciples to have breakfast and Peter would have recognized that aroma and realized, hey, I remembered him denying the Lord three times and and so they, they have breakfast and then Jesus asked Peter some questions, three questions. Peter, do you love me more than these? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Now, Notice, Jesus didn't say, Peter, do I love you? Because Peter knew that he loved him because he demonstrated on the cross he died for him. So yes, Jesus is not asking Peter, Peter, do you love me? Because Jesus is insecure. Jesus wasn't insecure looking for some assurance that Peter loved him. No, Jesus is reinstating him. He's giving him another chance and another chance and another chance. And he asked him the question, do you love me? Not do you love preaching for me not do you love fishing for men for me not do you love serving me not do you love teaching for me or discipling for me do you love me do you when everything's stripped away when everything's gone do you love Jesus do you love him like it's all about Jesus Paul begins this chapter with the grace of Christ. He ends this section with remember Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The second person is Martha. Mary and Martha were sisters. Jesus came to visit. Mary is sitting at the feet of of the Lord just loving him, enjoying Jesus, and Martha's busy. She's cooking, she's cleaning, she's serving, she can't stop. She's distracted. And she's running around and then she's offended that Mary is not helping her and says, Lord, don't you care that Mary is not helping me? And Jesus said, hey, Martha, you're busy with many things, but there's one necessary thing and Mary is focused on that and that's not going to be taken from her. Just sitting at the feet of Jesus. I, I don't know. I pray that this quarantine, at least on some level, has made us aware of our Martha busy spirit and help us more embrace that merry, worshipful spirit. Like, do you love Jesus? Like, do you love Him? That's what Paul's saying to Timothy. Timothy, in the grace of Christ, make Him known. Enjoy Him. Remember Him. Don't forget about Jesus. I know we get busy in doing things for Jesus, but let us not forget Jesus and what he's done for us. That he has overcome. That he is the king of kings. That he is our savior and redeemer. Let's not forget about Jesus. One of my pastor friends said it like this. Here's how you know you're becoming emotionally drained when what you do for God outpaces your time with God. Endure to the end. And the only way we're going to do that is by the grace of Almighty God. Just like this in the Spanish flu pandemic, the church endured. So they had outdoor services. Some took advantage of the technology of the day and had published sermons and newspapers. Others took in pandemic orphans and fed them and clothed them, gave them shelter. But they endured. The church is always and will always endure. From Paul's day to today, the church is always going to endure. Because Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we know today that we can endure because Jesus is enough. Because he is to be entrusted to others by us. Because he's enlisted us and he's endured on behalf of us. So church, let me encourage you today to press on. To endure to the end. Don't endure just Till there's not any more injustice, but endure till the Almighty's justice. Don't endure just till bad news is found no more in your world, but endure till the good news is found throughout the whole world. Don't endure just till you no longer hear the next dreary COVID-19 update, but endure till you see the drawing near of that day. Don't endure just till you see us again live on Facebook, but endure till we all face-to-face look to Jesus. Don't endure just till we can gather as God's people on our three campuses, but endure till Jesus gathers us from the earth's four corners. Don't endure just till your next trip to Home Depot, but endure till our final trip to our homeland as described in the book of Acts. Hebrews, don't endure just till there's a second season of Tiger King, but endure till the second coming Of the King of Kings. Don't endure just till the last episode of the Last Dance, but endure in these last days. Don't endure just till we're no longer required to wear surgical masks, but endure till we're willing to remove our hypocritical mask. Don't endure just till the threat of murderous hornets has ended, but endure till the murderer from the beginning is ended don't endure just till our new normal is no longer new but endure till our Lord Jesus makes all things new don't endure just till the next great conspirist is talking deliriously but endure till the Great Commission is taken seriously don't endure just till social distancing is a distant memory but endure till spiritual connectivity is more than an accessory don't endure just till the second coming of this virus, but endure to the second coming of Jesus. Don't endure just till your next meeting airs on Zoom, but endure till our meeting in the air of the one who is coming soon. Church, endure to the end. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Let's endure to the end.